What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Paysuno Podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? We were currently living in unprecedented times in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Together is how we defeat this invisible enemy. Crazy Face Uno has made the easy decision to send 100% of our online sales and donations to help aid in this crisis. More, te- more details will be available as we uh, bring in the money and we'll be figuring out what and who uh, we'll be giving that to in the near future. If you'd like to contribute, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today. With that said, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Aaron Patrick. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. It is weird to call you Aaron. Um, We are old college friends, roommates, uh, enemies, you know, all the above. And uh, yeah, I've called you Patty all my life. And I think most people that are probably pretty close to you still do that. Is that you still go by Patty? It's interesting. So my college friends will call me Patty. Um, we always joke that Aaron is basically my prison name. That's the only <laughs> time that anyone will ever call me that. Because um, now in my house it's Daddy or Babe. Yeah. Um, or worse things if I've done something wrong. <laughs> well, um, then there. Well, then there. <laughs> and and it's funny because like now in the coaching world, um, all of the guys call me AP. Okay. So um, I only hear Patty when I talk to you know my college buddies. Yeah. Well, I'm probably just going to keep calling you Patty throughout the podcast, but uh, just because it feels right. Yep. So uh, we'll, we'll go with that, but at least we explained it. Dude, Patty, we, I was trying to think, you know, as we were going, we, we even before we got started, we were trying to figure out, I think it's like 2010 was the last time I saw you. Yeah. Um, I really spoke to you at all. I mean, I think we maybe messaged back and forth or, you know, we follow each other on Facebook. So I'm sure we've kind of done that whole social media following kind of thing but um yeah you are married you've got how many kids two two kids both girls is that right no i've got a a little boy ollie who's five is three nice that's awesome and then two two annoying dogs as well (laughs) that's awesome uh patty we were yeah we were roommates our sophomore year of college um, we met right out of the gates and you, you pointed out recently, um, that you did contribute to the name crazy face, which was my, my nickname in college, <laughs> which is also funny because when I go back and see college people, people still call me crazy face or crazy yeah. or craze or whatever. Like Joel still does that like to this day. So yeah, it kind of, it's one of those things that stuck, I think. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I was—I'd never heard of Paddy until I came to college. And <laughs> okay. Someone yeah. came up with it because there was two of us called Aaron from England in mm. the same class. Yeah. So growing up, my nickname was Azza, but we had two of us, and they couldn't think of another nickname for Aaron Horton, <laughs> so they kept yeah. his at Azza and changed mine to Paddy. So. Yeah. I want to get him on here one of these days too. He'd be fun to talk to. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. He's out in. Uh, is he in? thailand or vietnam or something like that yeah he was in thailand there for a bit i think yeah is where he was coaching um but yeah i'm not sure and you are um you're from grimsby northeast lynch lincolnshire united kingdom 
So the best way to describe that, it's kind of like the way that they do the Michigan thing with a hand. Yep. Um, except on the map of England, on the right side, there's a big crack in the map where okay. the estuary comes in. Yeah. And we're under the crack. It's okay. pretty apt from where I'm from to be under <laughs> the crack. So it's a, it's a rough place, but it's home. So Yeah, that's awesome. Um, before we get going, man, I, want, I just want to check in. How Do you still have family there, obviously? Mm-hmm. Um, and friends, everybody doing okay? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's kind of weird. My sister is pregnant, so okay. she's obviously at high risk. Yeah. Um, and she has two kids, um, yeah. but they're all, they're doing fine. Good. Um, just self-isolating. They just brought down yesterday that it was, you know, the same as they did in the state of Indiana. Yeah. Basically on yeah, I saw that. house arrest. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of those things where I think in England they're not really paying as much attention. Yeah, we're kind of a nation of people who do what we want, and we won't. When someone tells, as you know from living with me, when someone tells you <laughs> to do something, usually the opposite's going to happen. So yeah, um, they they were they were putting like kind of house arrest yesterday. My dad's actually in quarantine right now because he uh, drives a bus for special needs kids. Okay. Um. So and one of the kids was showing symptoms yesterday, so they quickly got my dad off the bus, sent him home. So my dad, my mom actually works for Weight Watchers, um, and she's not allowed to leave the house because of that. Yeah. And my brother is just he's at home, and he's been made to stay off work also because uh, because my dad had been put in quarantine for two weeks. So yeah, that all kind of happened yesterday. So that that house will be crazy once they. uh, they're going to start losing it with each other pretty quick. So I might have to <laughs> FaceTime them frequently to just watch it. Yeah, just to, so you can be a part of it. Yeah. Watch the watch the craziness ensue. Yeah. Well, while we're on that topic, I this is nothing to do with our podcast, to be completely honest, but I sat down today. I had uh, this quote that I got sent um, a few weeks ago, actually, so it's not been too long ago, and it, it's really fitting to the time that we're going through with COVID-19. And, and I think, I just want to read it. I, I think it's really good. It's by Ann Landers. And it says, if I were asked to give what I consider the single most useful bit of advice for all humanity, it would be this, expect trouble as an inevitable part of life. And when it comes, hold your head high, look it squarely in the eye and say, I will be bigger than you. You cannot defeat me. Then repeat to yourself the most comforting words of all this too will pass. And uh, I think it's like super fitting. And I, I, I just wanted to read that. I, I sat down to do this podcast to give you a call and it was sitting right here and I hadn't read it. It's been sitting here all week and the last few weeks, to be honest. And I read it and I was like, you know what? That's that's going to go in this podcast. And so no, I it think it's, it's super apt and it's something we've been talking around with our guys a lot. Yeah. Is instead of seeing this as the challenge that it is, like it is a challenge. Yeah. It is tough. We all know that. So just pointing that out continuously can only breed negativity. Yeah. I'm big into speaking life into things. Um, Same. Yeah. I kind of stole it originally from I think it was Conor McGregor. He's not the best role model necessarily, but <laughs> but not speaking always. life into things meaning <laughs> yeah. Just if you tell yourself it's a bad situation, it's going to be a bad situation. For We've sure. talked to our guys about just. Um, what's the positives that can come from all of this? Yeah. You know, like for me, all fall 
Um, I don't get to see my wife and kids as much as I would like to, especially right now because we're commuting 45 minutes each way. Yeah. I'm getting as much time as I can possibly handle with my kids and my wife right now. Mm-hmm. That's a huge blessing. That's a huge positive. I just got to do school with them for the last hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're teaching me stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's a huge blessing that we, we've all been blessed with right now. And I think if we can start looking at the, the bright side of this thing, it's probably going to help things pass quicker too. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think you're right, uh, Patty. And and man, it's it's a uh, it's a lot. You know, it's crazy. Like I, it's still kind of surreal. And I think it started to hit me, you know, this week um, that it's kind of a more real thing than than it seemed in the beginning. You know, um, yeah. just because it's like you don't. I personally, at this very moment, like, I don't think I know anybody that has it, you know? I mean, I'm sure there's a possibility or there's a lot of people I know, but, um, so it's like this thing that we talk about in like hyperbole, you know, it's like it exists, but I don't really know how it, you know, you don't know anything about it other than what you hear. And so it's just, it's just odd. It's just weird. And, um, it's a (laughs) crazy time to be alive, but here we are. And, uh, we've got, you know, we've got the choice to continue to press forward and to hold our heads high and um you know to fight together um yeah, throughout sure. this so yeah so anybody out there if, if you're if you're listening and you're struggling a little bit like we get it we're all in this together and uh reach out you know don't don't hesitate reach out to people that you love and and the the people around you and you're you're not alone and um you know us here at crazy face Uno and uh, around the world we're all we're all in this together so yeah, and I was I was thinking about this yesterday. I was on a run, and actually, uh, I went on Instagram Live and put my entire run on there. Yeah, um, it was pretty funny. Um, but I was thinking, man, imagine this hundred years ago. Oh, there's yeah. no technology. Crazy, right? And and I can't just Facetime my family because I miss them. Right. And still see the it's the the stuff like that. I mean, self isolation is terrible. It's not a good thing. Whatever. Yeah, but but at least we have the technology to still visibly stay connected, see people yeah. in the face. You know, it's, absolutely, that's it, huge. It is, dude. You mentioned uh, being on a run. I wrote this down. Uh, I know we haven't even talked about what you're, you know, like what you're up to these days. But I saw the other day. I think it was maybe Saturday. You mm-hmm. ran a half marathon with some friends. Yeah. So, bro, um, your time yeah. was insane. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, you know me well enough, I mean, lived with me, that if, yeah. I, if I'm going to do something, then the only way I know how to do it is to do my very best and yeah. be all in and invested. So, um, I ran, actually, the, I used to be the head coach at Goshen College, right. and I became really good friends with the distance coach, um, and he got me into distance running probably three or four years ago, probably three years ago now, Yeah. Um, and he's my coach now, and um, like I've got some pretty lofty goals mm-hmm. um, as far as qualifying for the London Marathon next year and trying to get in the elite field. Nice. Um, that was my first. I've run a half marathon distance before in practice and things, but I've never all out run one. Yeah. Um, so, and it was on a gravel trail, and I, I ran with his, a couple of his cross country guys who were in town. Nice. Um, he he called it the COVID nineteen thirteen point one. And we stayed six feet apart the whole time. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, you were always super fit, though. I mean, all through, you know, playing soccer with you or playing soccer, and, and you were always fit. You were always at the top of the 
top of the heap, you know, whenever we did long runs or anything. So I think it's just because I enjoyed it. Like it's one of those things where the more I took a lot from Gidman, you know, like I think some of the, if we looked at him as a whole, there's things that we wouldn't take as far as the football side. But when you look at his enthusiasm for life and how he could, I mean, you remember that first year when he just go running with us. Yeah, and I still do all the fitness tests on my guys. And po- post like practice it, though, like yeah, <laughs> it, it was always a, a little intense. <laughs> you know, so yeah, for I, sure, I, and it's it's the buy-in. You know, like I I've mm-hmm. been a coach too. I actually uh, this is the first year I haven't coached wrestling. Um, yeah, and so I, I I jumped in and and it's the same with that sport. You know, it's one of those that um it's it's hands-on you got to get involved you got to get in there but i think you gain respect from your athletes and and from the people that you're leading you know and uh yeah when you jump in there you definitely you definitely gain a little respect and and hold that um i don't know even throughout like wrestling like i would do the same thing as far as if i'm asking you to you know tighten your diet in and mm-hmm. to be smart and healthy about what you're eating, like I'm gonna go home and do the same thing, you know. Like yeah. I'm not gonna ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And uh, I, th- I don't know, I, I, whether I tell my athletes that I'm doing the same thing, you know, or not, like I am, and, and yeah. I think that's the key. If hey, we're in this together again, you know, as a coach, and and uh, you believe in them, and and you want them to believe in you. Yeah. That leads us I into, think, I mean, I think kids don't want to be told what to do; they oh, want to be shown. Yeah. Exactly. And they want to know you know what you're doing. So if you show them, then it's different, you know. I can just imagine you with a kid in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you squeeze a little extra, you know, just be like, just so they know I, I can do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to say your numbers first before I jump into anything else. You ran your half marathon in a one seventeen twenty five. Yeah. And that's a, like, sub-mile, like, 554 per mile which yeah. blows my mind dude but that's that's well done <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah Appreciate well it. done i'm excited to see like how this transpires and watch you uh qualify for the london marathon and yeah all awesome. that. that's gonna be awesome so we'll we'll stay stay in touch and keep a wa- keep an eye on that for sure we kind of jumped into coaching you are the headsman head men soccer coach at grace college now so you said Goshen. So you've you've jumped right into you. You started off what out of college? You joined the Bethel soccer program, correct? Yep. So once once I was done playing in college, um, I I went overseas and I played a little bit. Okay. Um, and then I came back um, because I actually did five years because I was also uh, running track in college. So I came back and I met my now wife. Yeah. Um, I was offered the opportunity to go play overseas. I went, and then I just missed her and thought, this is stupid. Why am I over here doing this when I can be at home with, you know, with someone I love? So yeah. Um, then we got engaged, and I definitely wasn't going to leave. Right. Um, once we got married, so I took two years off playing. I basically did nothing. I was coaching at Bethel, helping Chicago. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was definitely a long day of missing football, um, but uh so so Callie encouraged me to go actually you remember cody troyer uh cody was a goalkeeper yes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yep he would, he would have been a freshman or something yeah like that. i remember that name though um, yeah when he was graduating he wanted to try and play so with my agent i ended up um 
trying to take him overseas to go and you know try and get a contract and they said well, why don't you come bring your boots you can jump in and train with the guys you can come out coach and yeah because i wasn't interested in playing because we were going to get married right um, we're due to get married uh, in the july and this was in the february i went over there and then you know me like my boots came on and all of a sudden now i'm playing <laughs> now it's like real and i'm over yeah. here boots came on I, mouth opened yeah, up and for sure. game on yeah so it was crazy that I wasn't looking to play. I had no interest. In I actually ended up getting offered a contract. Nice. <laughs> um, in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, which was the league below the MLS. And um, and I called. I remember calling Callie and saying, well, they've just offered me a contract. She said, what are you doing? She's crying on the phone. I'm like, <laughs> not happy crying. Like, we just bought a house. Yeah. <laughs> so that whole crazy thing happened. I right. actually ended up renting the house to two of my college buddies. Nice. Um, and it ended up being a really good situation. So our first year of marriage was spent in North Carolina, just okay. as two and the dog. Um, and then we decided to have uh, our first kid. Um, and I, it was just so much travel, to be honest. Like, yeah, I, I miss playing. I still miss playing right now. Um, but it was so much travel in the U.S. And I didn't. I grew up without a, without a dad in the picture, really. And then my stepdad came in the picture, and we didn't have a very good relationship up until probably. You know, when I was over here in college, probably two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So yeah, um, my my main objective is being a good husband and a good dad. Um, and mm. once I realized we were gonna have a baby, that was a no brainer. I was bring we were coming home to Indiana, um, and I was gonna spend time uh, with the family, and I was gonna do my best to be a good dad. <laughs> yeah, trying. Don't know if it's working, but that was kind of <laughs> how my playing career ended. So, and then from there, I. That summer, I was offered the job at Goshen College. It was a part-time job. Yeah. Um, and then I, w- I spent five years there. So this this was my first full year now at Grace. Wow. That's crazy. What did you, uh, stepping in at Goshen as your first, you know, kind of head coaching position or whatever, what yep. did you learn? What did you learn those five years? <laughs> you still there? Yeah. Uh losing you it's kind of breaking up here can you hear me now yep i can hear you there we go so uh, oh you're gone again <laughs> uh, it's kind of just cutting in and out patty yeah yeah um that's clear okay so i, I kind of learned a lot more since i left goshen i think having reflected on what the program was like when I started yeah. to what it is now. So, I mean, I started and that job was part-time. It was literally $15,000 a year. Yeah. We were having a baby and had a house and we were living off that. So mm-hmm. I don't know how we did it. I mean, I do. God was looking after us, but yeah. um, it was a very blank slate. And I was able to, I was taken over from my only the fourth ever coach. Uh, Tavi was there for 13 years. Um, and all of it part-time, basically. So we kind of put a program together that's now full-time. The, the coach there now is a friend of mine, and mm. he's full-time. Um, Which just brings uh, in better coaches, right? Yeah, for sure. And and basically, like, if you can live off of the income, it's a lot less stressful. So yeah, um, yeah, sure. Callie, my wife, is volleyball. She, she got her first head high, high school coach job. Okay. the time I got that job. And it was right down the road, so... It worked out great. I mean, she would bring Ollie to practice after I would get done at, say, 6 o'clock. Yeah. And she would go to her game 
and I would feed him and then I'd go we'd go watch her get him together and yeah. then we'd go home and it was just it was super unique and yeah. just pretty cool. So I think the biggest Oh, you we lost you again, Patty. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> it's alright. There you go. Um You were saying the biggest thing was Yeah, I think the biggest thing that um I've learned since leaving is just that um, you don't really know your own situation. You don't know the situation or the difficulty of your situation until you get out and you get into a better one. Yeah. Um, my situation at Grace is so much better in many ways. Mm. Um, and that's not really a knock on Goshen. Goshen is what it is. And, you know, we, we just did our best with what we had and we did some really good stuff. Did some yeah. cool stuff, which really changed the program. Um, and now hopefully they can kick on from there and, and, you know, and I can enjoy the new experience at Grace. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really cool because, and for people listening, if you're if you're not familiar with these names, um, so we both went to Bethel College, now Bethel University, out of Mishawaka, Indiana, um, and our rivals, you know, are, are people that were within our conference, were Grace and Goshen, and um, you know some of these different schools. So it's kind of cool and interesting. I'm sure there's some some interesting like feels whenever you first stepped on on the pitch, you know, with. Uh, at Goshen or at Grace now, I mean, I'm sure it feels a little bit more normal that you've now that you're at Grace. But um, you know, when you have those like deep-seated rivalry kind of things, you know, when you're like, oh, we got to beat Grace, we got to beat the other Christian college, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I know. I left. Uh, I left. A, so I was coaching high school. Um, you know, just volunteer coach for the first you know several years, and then uh, kind of just I, I found my way. Um, onto a team and kind of work my way up to co-head coach and was yep. co-head coaching and it's the same when you switch schools and it was within our conference you know kind of a, a local rivalry that I went to the school and um yeah it's weird when you like step on the mat or you know you just compete against a school that you used to coach for or um, be a part of it's it's a it's a weird feeling there's a and the competitive competitiveness between you and I, I'm sure it's like, all right, we got to crush these guys, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was it was interesting when I uh, there was some kind of weird stat that because um, I scored my first ever college goal at Goshen College. Oh, nice! And there was some weird stat out there about um, we'd lo- we'd won two. Actually, we'd won. One nil against Bethel in the first time we played them out there. Nice. That was obviously a super weird, and I've and I've not beaten Thiago since then. Yeah, <laughs> he's, I'm like one and seven against Thiago, which is a nightmare. <laughs> um, but there was a weird stat that the last time Bethel had won there was when I scored that goal. Oh <laughs> and wow! That was like 2006. So yeah, Goshen was, like, was always some, a big, big rival. Well, they were good back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I was out when I was running. This weekend, my half marathon, I, Tony Jansen was their big striker back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he was actually out there jogging around at the same place I was doing my half marathon. So nice. he's he's still knocking around in the air. They were really good back then. So Yeah. Um, but it's all changed. Like The whole league and everything has changed so much since we were in school. The world's changed. I mean, everything's changed. I mean, I noticed that. I mean, yeah, so many things change, you know. Rules change, like just how you practice, how you go about things. Yeah, I mean... It feels like we were babies back then. I don't know if it, oh, if it yeah. feels that way for you, but I just feel like, man, I've I've grown up so much from <laughs> since 2010 to you know 2006 to 2010. Woof, man. We didn't we didn't know anything, and we thought we knew everything. Oh yeah, we that's, thought we knew everything. 
Yeah. For sure. Well, dude, um, let's throw it back. Let's go to childhood. Let's, uh, let's dive in there. How would you describe your childhood? What was childhood like for you? So, growing up in, in Grimsby, um, the really, I don't know, I always say it was a tough place to grow up, but when I was there, I didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, it just was what it was. That was life. Um, I could tell you so many crazy stories about the end of the street, for example, there was a pub called The Long Ship. Okay. And... Uh, people getting thrown through the window and coming down the street with a bloody face. <laughs> I like soccer is obviously a big part of my life. I was taught to juggle a soccer ball by a drunk guy with a wine bottle in his hand. And he saw me playing in the street and he was like, no, do it this way. Yeah. And I still remember those lessons. Um, cars crashing into walls on like Christmas Eve and <laughs> that had been stolen. And But but when I was a kid, like those things are just fun things. Like, yeah, it's, it sounds crazy yeah. to say they were fun, but that was how we grew up. That was normal. That was life. Yeah. Um, and and I loved my childhood for the most part as far as you know, hanging out with friends and playing in the street. I learned to play football in the street. Um, and that's, that was just normal. Right. I mean, the home life was different. Um, my real dad left when I think I was three or four. Um, and I remember the day he left. Um, I remember because we had a bunch of like plastic golf clubs and tennis rackets, toys, me and my sister. Yeah, sure. Um, and, I, and I remember swinging for him with a golf club as he was leaving. Um, and <laughs> so it was, I was pretty crazy even at three years old, I think. Um, but I, I remember him leaving. And I remember him like coming in and out maybe once, twice. Um, you know, I remember arguments at the front door. Yeah. He, him saying... You know, why, why can't I come home and all those things? But other than that, like, my real dad, is, I mean, he's not been part of my life whatsoever. Yeah. And it's interesting because my sister, she uh, she still speaks to him every now and again. And But I've had no contact since, I would say, about four or five. Sure. No contact whatsoever. How, how do you um, feel he, about that now? I mean, as you, as you are a little bit older, your father, yourself, like... Yeah. Does that it, does that affect you? Does that like does that play with your mind or like have you just accepted yeah. it and kind of moved on or how does that affect I've you? I've had today? a few I've had a few moments like in my life where I've really wished I could hear my dad say I'm proud of you. Mm. Like yeah. and it's not, and you know me as well like I'm not the soft emotional guy. No. Really? But all of us I think have a basic instinct to want to Yes please our family members like our fathers um my my stepdad came into my life when i was five or six yeah um and we didn't have a good relationship up until college as i said earlier but Mm -hmm. so i've had those moments as i've been older um and my stepdad i mean he's he's amazing yeah Uh, he's like my he's one of my best buddies now he's my best man in my wedding but that that story in itself is a big story of just forgiveness and redemption and yeah, he grew up without a dad, and um, so we have a similar story. And he didn't know what he was doing when he was raising us. Like he's first to, you know, his twenty-four year old taking on two kids that weren't his. Sure, he had no idea what he was doing. Um, but now, like our relationship is awesome. But yeah, my my real dad, he was an alcoholic. Um, he was abusive, um, and I'm lucky enough that I had a strong enough mom to say, "No, nah, enough's enough. You're not going to be in our life." Um, we'll we'll do it without you so 
Yeah. I, I guess I have like five siblings I've never even met. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so hopefully he's done a better job with with them than he did with me and my sister. But <laughs> sure. I think one one of the things for me is just I don't hold any resentment there whatsoever. Yeah. And and I think in many ways, like the the thing that I think makes me successful is that I have that chip on my shoulder. And I think a lot of it comes from not having a dad and always always thinking at some point he's gonna ring me and he might apologize or he might say, Oh man, I wish this or at the very least, I've kind of been keeping track of you and I'm proud of what you did. And I don't think I need that. But I think, and like I said, it's a basic instinct that we all yeah. have. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's, I think it is innate within us. I think there's just something that drives, I mean, look at, you know, I don't know, look at kids that have been adopted and they grew up in yeah. beautiful, wonderful families, right? And they don't yeah. want to change how they grew up, but they still want to know who that person is. Yeah. Um, I remember when I when I was going through the divorce with my my mom and my mm-hmm. my dad. Um, I was pissed at my dad. You know, I, I was yeah. I was pissed at him, and a whole lot of different emotions going on in a you know what fifteen year old sixteen year old like yeah. man I don't it's it's just a lot. But I just remember the thing that changed my like mindset was there's nothing I can do to change the fact that my dad is my dad. You know, like yeah. I can add uh, a dad, you know, a stepdad or whatever, but like he is always going to be my dad. There's yeah. nothing I can change. Like I can't, my, my genetics, my DNA is because of him, you know, and yep. uh, I can choose from this point forward to have a relationship or be a part of his life, you know, and have this, or I can not, but there's nothing I can do to change that fact. And for whatever reason, that was the big, like, monumental thing i'll never forget it i know where i was like i can i can picture all of that and it's uh i don't know that that was like a game changer for me but i you know i think it is i think you're right i think it's this innate thing and um it's not that you're not happy and satisfied but there's still a part of you that probably just wonders you know yeah and i and i think the biggest difference probably between your experience and mine is you had that existing relationship correct right there's really there's no anger for me towards my dad because he's he's my dad in blood. Yeah. But that's really it. There's yeah. no animosity because he wasn't thankfully he wasn't around long enough to do damage. Right. Like that was the right. that was a big thing for me. And so, kudos to your mom. I mean, that's like Yeah. for being that strong woman to say no, yeah. enough's enough and I'm going to look out for my family and for my kids and look at you now. I mean, you know? Yeah, and I, like I say, like me and my me and my stepdad had a really rough time. Like, there's a lot of kind of abusive things going on in the house, and but now, like, I ring him nearly every day. He's he's one of my best mates, and yeah, that's so. I cool. give him grief about it all the time, but he's uh, he's a good man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those. Things and he's my too. dad at the end of the day. Like yeah. he is my dad. I know. For me, like both my parents are remarried, and uh, so I mean, for me, it's like man. I'm grateful for them just for the sheer fact that they love my parents, you know? Yeah. Like they, they're the ones that like, man, it's a breath of fresh air. Like I know that they're taken care of, or I know that 
um, you know, they've got someone to like look after them and to, to be a part of their life. And I think that's huge. So yeah, for, for sure. me, that's like, it's a, it's a blessing and, and I love them both. You know, I mean, the relationships are different between the two, um, of my like step mom and dad, but, um, yeah, it, it, I, I love them both because of who they are in my, my family's life, you know, in my parents' life. So yeah, it's huge. Yeah, and and the other thing, like you mentioned, you know, you didn't know any different, and that's a common thing I've actually heard, and, and a lot of people have said, and, and it's the same for everybody, really, right? As a child, like we don't know any different than what we grew yep. up with, but it's just fun to look back and kind of think about that, and to 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 look on, you know, the I don't know, like the stories, like you said, like learning to to juggle for the first time, or like learning, you know, you saw somebody thrown out of a window, and you know, yeah. that's crazy. Well, normal. I always say normal is a relative word, right? It is. Like, yeah. No, normal is whatever you've experienced the most. For so, sure. um, and just for me, I mean, yeah, experienced a lot of things that people would think would be <laughs> abnormal. Yeah. Um, but I think it shapes you. It shapes you into who you are, and I think I, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's no surprise uh, you are an athlete you know you grew up in and playing football soccer you know uh european football and uh, yeah. did you have other interests as a child outside of athletics and soccer as as a kid no none none whatsoever yeah. um it was all i did i mean we there's if i go home now there's a sign on the wall still to this day um that says no ball games because we used to just pound the ball against this wall again and again and again all day and the, the old people just got sick of it and got the council to put a sign up um so that that's literally all we did we yeah. i we were if we moved streets it was because we'd been kicked out of the one that we were in and we would just move into a you know a garage in a back alley that sure. was now the goal yeah um so that was really all I did. I don't. I don't remember being interested in anything else. Yeah. I wasn't even probably up until I was in my teenage years. I didn't even want to go hang out with friends just to go hang out. There yeah. was no video games or any of those things. Like we right. just played football. That was it. It's sure. kind of boring. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't no, have any good stories other than football. You know. Yeah. I used to do the same thing. I remember my mom would always come out and be like, "Can you stop kicking the ball against the house?" Or you know. <laughs> Yeah, our our garage when I was growing up was converted into like a living room space. So, I'd, but I'd bounce the off the like garage wall, you know, the outside yeah. garage wall, and it would like knock things off the wall inside. <laughs> so yeah. I'd always get in trouble. But yeah, classic. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of sad. Like that a lot of kids in this country don't have that experience. That's the thing. That, I think yeah. that's the biggest single factor why soccer's further behind here than it sure. than it should be it's developed a lot but i mean my kids out here every day blasting against my garage door yeah. and i think it's, it's going to be good for him i think it's also like there's just a lot of options in the united states yeah. you know and in other places it's not that there isn't but it's like you're limited you know yeah and for sure. it's like i don't know i think yeah i think that plays a big factor in, into some of that what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up a footballer yeah boring i just <laughs> wanted to be a footballer yeah um and then it's interesting, like, once you make that a reality, it, my next dream was to be a good dad and a good husband. And yeah. and then, obviously, occupationally, I wanted to be a college coach. So yeah. it's it's like, I think that's why I come up with these crazy things like marathons, because I need something else to be another dream. Mm. If, if I accomplish something, I don't want to just sit in it. 
Yeah. I think you get stagnant. Yeah. Um, so I come up with these crazy things of, you know, now I'm, now I'm a bow hunter and I want to go on these big trips out West and now I want to run marathons and yeah. not just complete them, but beat good people. So yeah, <laughs> I think I'm still searching for that, that next big dream. And then hopefully I accomplish those and I can look for something else. My wife hates it, but <laughs> <laughs> she's stuck with it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not surprised that that's like you, I mean, just competitive you're an athlete that's like yeah you know that's just who you are and i i find myself that same way um i struggle to like right now so my wife and i live in uh, south florida and yep. uh beach volleyball has become the thing that one it's amazing because we both get to do it together my wife played volleyball growing up you know and yep. um so we get to go to the beach and it's our friends group it's the people we hang out with it's the things we do and um but like, I just started learning, you know, like three months ago, I never really played volleyball, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, but I'm kind of obsessed with it now with that, you know, and kind of, that's my thing. I'm like, Oh, like I, I've been doing this the whole time and I need to, you know, analyzing yeah, my own play when we're playing like shitty beach volleyball and drinking beers, you know, like, yeah, but and it's I don't fun. think that will ever leave you, you know, like oh, that mentality no. I just want to be good at it. If I'm going to do it, be good at it. Yeah. Volleyball is a huge part of our family. Yeah. Um, my wife was an awesome volleyball player in college. Right. And she's she's a great coach. She still coaches club. And it's kind of fun. The kids will go to her practice every now and again and just, you know, help shag balls. And yeah. we love that. I mean, our kids, are, they're going to be gym slash field rats. And For sure. They just love sports. And the competitive side, you know, the fiery competitive side. It's what drives me nuts about my kids because they're exactly <laughs> like me and Callie. Yeah. And we have to stop and remember they're like that because they're ours. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the, it, there's a fire that's just like always competitive. And it's funny because I'm super competitive, but my competitiveness has changed into, at least with volleyball right now, is um, it's been like, I, I don't really care if we win. 90% of the time, like when we play on Saturdays with a big group of people, it's like, I don't even keep score. Like, I don't care who wins yeah. or loses. It's like, I just don't want to mess up, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I want to I want to be at the top of my game, you know? Like, yeah. improving and, and getting yep. better, which is kind of kind of funny. But what kind which of... Which is why I like running, because it's just you and the clock. Yeah. And what everyone else does doesn't, doesn't has matter. no bearing on you. See, it's and that's just, what I love about be wrestling, because it's kind of the same. It's like you get out what you put in. And yep, I think that's sure. why I fell in love with that sport. I've really struggled to get into running. It's certainly something I've like started to be a little bit more excited about and enjoy, yeah. enjoy, I guess. But I've had to tame my competitive side because I'm the same way where I go every single time I go for a run, I'm like trying to beat my score from the previous, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is problematic sometimes because it causes injuries and different things. I've had yeah. a lot of issues with my, uh, I don't know if you're probably familiar cause you've been running, but like, uh, runner's knee like the yeah for sure and yeah tendonitis yeah dude in my knees and so i've just like cut out running i just do like elliptical nowadays but um i want to get into running i've got a goal that i want to run a marathon and uh not for time or anything like that like you but uh um for me it's like i just hate running to be completely honest so uh i think it's always been a means to an end for me yeah in you sports. need it to do it for your sports yeah, yeah for sure and so I just would do it, but, um, yeah, now I've just tried to change that mindset of being like, you know what? It's actually pretty enjoyable to throw a podcast on and go for a jog. And I love yeah. like map my run where I can just like 
go and jog for whatever. And it tells me my times and tells me whatever. And I don't have to keep track of a specific like track. I can, it just says like, Oh, you've ran a mile, you know? And yep. I like that. Yeah. The technology is, is really helpful for sure. And, and, and a lot of it is just like, for me, I throw on a podcast. I listen to the dad tired podcast. What is it? Um, dad tired. Dad um, tired. I'm gonna write that down. It's, it's really good. And it's just, you know, basically it's a, it's a Christian guy and he's a, he's a pastor and cool. just talking about all different things that you go through as being a dad and being a husband. And, but I go on my long, easy runs and I just put that baby on, Yeah. turn my watch over, it's clocking where I'm going and I'll come back in two hours and I've listened to about six podcasts Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's relaxing. Like that's, I it tell is. people that's my meditation time. For it's sure. time to decompress yeah for sure i i completely agree it's kind of the same thing for me and it always feels amazing afterwards but it's a yeah sometimes at least for me like it's brutal to get me out sometimes where i'm like ah oh. i'm like i can like wake up in the morning with the intention to go straight out of the gates like to the gym and then i look at my clock and it's like three o'clock and i've procrastinated and i'm like all right <laughs> yeah. now i gotta go you know <laughs> like, yeah here we go yeah. like let's go but it's funny what kind of a student were you growing up? Like, if you look at adolescence, you know, middle school, high school, I don't know how that translates to how you grew up, but um, in the UK, but I was um, I was a good enough student to separate myself to kind of the top end of schooling without doing my best. I would say if there was one area of my entire life where I didn't give my best, it would be academics. Yeah. Um, because football was always my goal, so yeah. Uh, in England, it's like something really low. Like only twenty percent of the country go to university. Okay. Um, and the way our testing goes is we do these things called GCSEs. If you get a certain level of those that are high enough, um, you then go into um, things called A levels. Um, so it's something like thirty percent go on to A levels, and then twenty percent make it onto university. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Um, and then, uh, so I did well enough to get to the level where I could go to university. Um, and then obviously I never ended up going cause I came over here. Um, and then in college was the same, same story. I just, I did enough to get by. Actually, I, I don't know if you remember, but my first year I actually got a record low of a 0.3 EPA. I do, um, I do remember in my that. First <laughs> semester. Um, and I, I passed all the classes with A's and B's. Yeah, but what used to grate me is they would make me go to their class. So me being me, I was like, I'm going to get all A's. Yeah, and I'm never going to go, and I'm just going to basically say that's your fault because your class is too easy. Well, I did those things, and then they failed me anyway. So <laughs> then I had to quickly realize that no, you're going to go to class, and I I had to take summer school that year, um, yeah. which was tough. Um, but I had a really good experience with it. I had a really Merrily Crandon was uh, okay was the professor and I took a Shakespeare class and I love that stuff. Yeah. Like I just weird. Um, but I, remember I, you li- I remember you liking that, that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and Mary Lee Crandon, that, I remember her yeah, too. She, I think she was my, my sister. English teacher. Yeah. English probably just like professor. written karma or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, but I love that class and honestly, like that got me a little bit more fired up to, to at least, to at least be average. I would yeah. say putting enough work, going to class and doing the things I needed to. Sure. And then, um, yeah, 
my my transcripts are very weird because most kids are able to come in, they do well because parents are on them, they're freshmen, sophomore year, and then parents relax a little bit and then their grades kind of slow off. Yeah. That's the trend that I see. You know, you start out at a 3.5 and you graduate with your 3.0. Yeah. And That's for an me, interesting observation. I never thought about that. Yeah, me, mine was the opposite. I started out so low that I had to work <laughs> hard to be eligible. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then I really, probably once me and Callie started dating, I, I actually found joy in getting good grades. It was really weird. Um, I added a business minor because I was going to stay on and do track for my fifth year. Yeah. And I was taking these accounting classes with no intent of being an accountant, but I loved it. Like it was kind of cool to get that praise of, Hey, you did good on this assignment. And I'd never <laughs> experienced that before. Yeah. And then, and then now, um, actually academics played a really big role in me getting this job at Grace. Um, I was looking around and I, I want to be able to turn around to my kids when I'm older and say, I have a master's degree. Mm-hmm. for no other reason than when they tell me, Dad, I don't want to go to school. It's stupid. I'm going to be a basketball player or whatever they say. Yeah. Well, I did, I hated school, and I've got a master's. So once yep. you get to my level, then you cannot do it anymore. Yeah. That's my only true only reason for getting a master's. It, um, it, and, but it's huge. It really is. It's like it's raising the ceiling, you know. Yeah. And, and it's the same for, you know, I've t- had different – women and different you know ladies on the podcast but it's it's the same for them too you know in in so many ways it's like what led people to chase the career go after their goals or seek more education was well man I'm the first person to ever be you know to go to college my family or you know my mom gave showed me the the way you know or kind of breaking that ceiling and kind of raising it and saying like hey look like kids like there is you can do more than you think you can and there is more possible and there's a lot of things out there and you've got options. It's just chase it and go after it if that's what you want. Yeah. And I, and I think there's just something to be said for doing, even if education is not my favorite thing, it's very ironic that now my job is in higher education. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm surrounded by the, like my whole wife's family, they're all teachers essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister-in-law, she's got four kids and she's doing a PhD. She's almost done with a PhD. Wow. Um, and she, the, she's amazing. And when you look at the work that she's puts in with all that she has going on in her life, it's like, yeah, I can do a master's. I can figure that out. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. It's a discipline. It's like, you're disciplining yourself uh, in different um, different fields, different areas. Yeah, and yeah for me, it's it's always, uh, you know, the physical discipline, like physically, uh, put me up against whoever, you know? Like, I'll, yeah. I'll push myself yeah. for sure. And I may not win, but I'll, I'll give you everything. And I know yeah. how to be disciplined, uh, you know, in that, in that world. Um, mental discipline is a whole other thing, though, huh? And, yeah, for uh, sure. Like... <laughs> being disciplined to to do your work that you need to get done or you know your your schoolwork or whatever that looks like it's it's a whole nother it's a whole nother ball game yeah for sure did you know growing up like still thinking maybe i don't know you know a younger pre-college um like did you ever get in trouble did you ever like get into mischief yeah um yeah, there was a lot. I mean, again, where I go, where I grew up, mischief is uh, there's definitely levels to it. So, um, <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I was just so focused on football, and I was scared to death of getting in trouble with my right. my stepdad. So, I didn't really push too many boundaries at home. I was a pretty good boy. Um, 
my mom calls me golden boy um, <laughs> still to this day so but outside of the home when i when i get a little bit older um you know my my mid to late teens yeah we'd go out and um we'd get in a little bit of trouble and yeah. we'd experiment with you know going and thinking we're tough guys drinking some beers and you know, doing those types of things sure. and one of the games we used to play well a couple of games it's called garden creeping um so in england they're all most of the houses are row houses right and then yep. they have gardens that are attached and okay. they have little fences that are maybe four feet high in the backyard so one of the things we do is we jump the first fence we'd go and we'd bang like crazy on the back window of these houses until we see the people coming then we jump the next fence bang the next house jump and it'd be like hurdles <laughs> but we'd be jumping over knocking on the on the doors and getting them to come chase us um so we used to do garden creeping quite a lot um one of the other things we would do which was really funny and, it, and like now i think if my kids were doing this i would go crazy but yeah right it was normal to us we we used to get like tennis balls or small pebbles and stuff like that and we'd wait you know, for policemen or police vans to come around the corner or whatever, and we just launch tennis balls or <laughs> rocks or whatever at them just to get them to chase us. Yeah, and then we'd start, and that was like fun. Yeah, so we used like, to do stuff so, like that too, like growing up. It was the same thing. I mean, yeah. mine was a little more like Midwest, you get it, but like we called it uh corning, so we'd like shut corn and we'd like throw corn at cars, like. Yeah, and then yeah. you'd want them to chase you, and like you just like run into the cornfield, and nobody would ever catch you. You know, it's funny we used to do it with campus safety in college. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yep, we did. Uh, and uh, what else did we we do? We did. I mean, we did stupid stuff like that. I I did uh, when I was a man. I was like elementary school. I don't even know how old I was. Probably like second, third grade. But it was like a snowstorm. There's this big like ravine. And me and my buddy, we'd go down there and we made like just a shit ton of snowballs. Yeah. And uh, we waited till cars came by on this like road. They're probably going like 45, 50 mile an hour. So it probably wasn't that safe, but we'd like throw snowballs at them. <laughs> and my dad was a pastor. So it's in like the parking lot of this church. And so yeah. like they'd hit the brakes and we'd take off running and like run into the church. And then <laughs> we'd like lock That's the door cool. behind us. And then, you know, people would like pull in and like look in the windows and we're like hiding behind these pillars, you know, like they had no idea. So <laughs> yeah, we were a little, we were a little shit sometimes too. I, I would say I probably became a prankster having gone to college as I've gotten older. <laughs> so maybe it's because I missed out on those things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, now I'm known for being a prankster. So nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny, like, the things that you think about when you read it. You, you brought that up. I haven't thought about that in so long, of, like, throwing snowballs at cars and whatnot. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, so, you, you know, graduate high school. This is always really interesting to me of how, you know, some of you international guys, you know, from the UK, like, found your way to Bethel. Yeah. And uh, what kind of led you that direction? What was that process like for you? So I had no intention of coming. Um, really, it was just my mom. She basically set the whole thing up. She yeah. somewhere heard about kids going over to America and going to university. And no one in my family had ever gone to university. I'm still the only one with a, a degree. So yeah. she had just got this thing fixed in her head. And I, I think she knew that I needed to be away. Um, mm. me, and my, me and my stepdad's relationship was really bad at that time. Yeah, And the, the problem was I was getting big enough where it what the physical like intimidation wasn't gonna work for much longer right um so uh, i think she knew 
that I needed to get away. And, and she knew that the only way I would do it is if football was involved. <laughs> sure. Um, so I was playing with some semi-pro teams and, you know, I was with the professional clubs as a younger, but um, I, there was a lot going on at home and I think she just saw this opportunity. So um, she started looking into things. I ended up going to, couple, we call them tryouts. You, yeah, yeah, trials, tryouts. Um, and I would go to the local one and I would do well. And then I would go to the regional one and I would do well. And she used my ego against me um, like any mom would to get what she wants. So <laughs> so she's just go show them how good you are. You don't have to go, but just go show them how good you are. You don't have to go to America. Right. So I just kept going. And then I got to the national level and we ended up in Scotland and I did really well there. I got a bunch of offers from different schools. And the only question my mom asked me, the only part of my involvement in it was that other than playing the football and getting looked at, was which coach did you like the most? Mm. And, and there was a couple. Um, I never looked at a map ever. Um, I never looked where I was going because in my mind, I was it wasn't happening. I was never going to go. Yeah, and I, and Gidman was over there, Greg Gidman. <laughs> yeah, and if you know Gidman, you know which we both do. He's his personality is infectious. Like that's yeah. the one thing he's eccentric can't... for sure. He's oh, got... for sure. I want to. I've, five minutes I've reached it. out to him a few times, and we haven't been able to to get him on. But uh, Dude, he'd be great. Yeah, I would he'd love to great. get him on the podcast. We haven't been able to figure out a time and and sort things out. But one of these days. Yeah, and, and so so I chose, and basically the two that I came down to, there was one guy called George Koontz. He was a six foot eight guy um, from UC Irvine. Yeah. Um, and if you ever look on <laughs> the internet, um, I would never have chosen Bethel College if I did that, right? Um, because because UC Irvine is an amazing school. Um, yeah. But I really like Greg, and I like that his mom was English. Um, okay. and he was Canadian, so yep. he had that in common with me. And I, I basically, I just said, well, I like that Greg Gigman, Gigman guy. And that was it. That was my involvement. And then before I know <laughs> it, I'm going up an escalator at Manchester airport and I'm on my way to the U S wow. And, and when I got, I was going up the escalator, I can still see it in my head. Now I turned back and it was like one of those movies where you turn back and there's like that solitary tear going yeah. down your face. Like what the hell For am I me, about to do? <laughs> There was no tears coming out, but my face was like that crying face. And I was just like, oh my, I'm going. Like, yeah. I can't get out of this. Yeah. Um, it all kind of happened so fast because I wasn't involved. So, again, did, like it was what did the you best think decision when, my mom ever made. What did you think when your mom told you? Do you remember? Do you remember like that no, moment? No, because she was so sly about it. Like, she was <laughs> just so sneaky. Like, it, it wasn't ever planned out. Like, yeah. it, it was just, she did it all. And, and I was just, I would. I respected and loved my mom so much that I would do what she would ask me to do. Sure. Um, and she just. I. I couldn't tell you that process because she just did it all. Mm-hmm. Um, once I got on the plane and I, I'd calmed down and I was on. You know, I landed. Um, then it was. It was different. But even when I landed, like it, this tells you everything about Gidman. We spent three hours going around Chicago because he'd found a wallet in the airport and he wanted to give it back to the people <laughs> he found. <laughs> three hours. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm like, I just want to eat. He got me, <laughs> he got me Wendy's. Um, and oh, I asked for man. a large drink. I said, I'm so thirsty. I need a large drink. And then I realized what large meant in America. Yeah. Because it wouldn't fit in the cup holder. Um, <laughs> so we're driving around like, the, it was like the projects in Chicago too. Like, yeah. it was a rough area. And he's knocking door to door. Hey, is this your wallet? Do you know this guy? And I'm thinking, what is going on? Like, <laughs> it was, yeah, the whole thing's crazy. But she was just so sly. And she got me over there and, and, 
it was the best thing anyone's ever done for me for yeah. sure yeah so and i know most most people i've talked to and you know we've had conversations about this in the past but um most people didn't really know what they were getting themselves at themselves into when they came to Bethel like that nobody really talked about what it who it was like what Bethel was and like what yeah no um when did you first kind of learn about what you were getting yourself into and what were your thoughts then well there's a couple of things like I never knew any of the faith piece I never knew what I was like that's that's really impacted me as a college coach like now I'm talking to kids every day I'm talking to a kid right now from England and um, actually I have four come in this year and they know about the faith piece. They know what it's like. Uh, the end. I don't want kids to get here and be shocked. Yeah. I, and that's what we were experiencing. We right. were super shocked. Yeah. Um, all of you guys, like you, Aaron Horton, John, Timmy. Yeah. And tabs. Tabs. Oh, I forgot well, about him. So, yeah. Peter. So we, my first experience of the faith piece was when we, Stayed in preseason in that house in Granger. You were there, right? At the same time. Were yeah. You there then? Uh, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, we maybe. came in in August and we stayed in this empty house. Oh Granger. yeah, I was there for sure. Yeah, um, that's when that's when I started. I started at the same time you did. Yeah. So I remember Gidman had it all in the basement, and I was upside down on the stairs, and I was just around the corner so he couldn't see me, and I was just trying to nod off and sleep. And he was doing his devotion. I'd never heard that word before. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Um, and I still, this is part of my testimony. I, I remember him banging on the wall and talking about God, God's knock on your door. And I woke up and was like, what is going on? <laughs> and, I, and I just remember him talking about God knocking on your door. When he starts knocking, you're not going to be able to avoid it. Mm. You're going to have to face, you know, which direction you want to go. Um, and then that, that evening I caught Jason Richardson, an Irish friend of right. mine, Jason. um, under a blanket reading reading a book so i went in there and i was like what are you doing reading it's three o'clock in the morning he was reading his bible okay well we didn't know where he was at with his faith and he knew where we would be at most likely coming from england not having any faith and he didn't want to put us off Mm. um so i'd caught him reading his bible i made fun of him a little bit and then that was really my (laughs) in that was my first faith interaction but those two things the knock on the door and jason reading his bible because I love Jason, he's yeah, he's awesome, um, and I really respected him. So, um, yeah, because he was a really year. Was he just a year older than us? Yeah, a year older than us. Yeah. So, um, so that really impacted me. That's a huge part of my testimony. Those two things, um, and I wasn't ready, you know, to accept Christ and all those things back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but just those little subtle things where it was definitely God hinting at me, like there's something more than just football and just yourself. Yeah. Um, but then I remember then they sat us all in that the uh, what was the other chapel called? The small chapel. Shiloh. No, the oh that the, was the, the one, vesp where they do vespers the Wednesday yeah. night one. And they know, sat us all in there. The like nursing um, auditorium. That's where we had. Yeah. That. Yeah. And they we had they talking about this lifestyle covenant, and they would pass these papers <laughs> around, and you had yeah. to sign this covenant. And I'm like, this is a cult. Like, what is going yeah. on? Am I, I going to think... see people coming in in white hoods and all this stuff? Like, yeah. it was crazy. Dude, I didn't know about the covenant thing either, to be fair. Which is crazy because, at least, I mean, you're at least from the state. Yeah, think. exactly. Yeah, no, to be fair, like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, so I actually, the story goes is I never actually signed it because when I signed that paper, they just passed them down to the end and took them in. <laughs> um, I signed it Mickey Mouse. 
that was literally what I wrote on that piece of paper. That's funny. Uh, so they could never legally hold me to it. Um, that for, was, those are the experiences. And then obviously you go to chapel the first time. And, yeah. And then that is like, it, it took a while. It took a while for us to, the good thing though, was there were five of us going through the exact same thing. Right. Yeah. You um, had that camaraderie and that like, I was probably the most open-minded about it. I'd um, say. Yeah. But, but, um, Peter and John were not. Now. No, I remember <laughs> John being in the back of chapel with that empty that water bottle full of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> in the middle right. of chapel. So, um, but I think because I was open minded enough about it, that stood me in good stead, and I was it. And I and I had some really good friends. I never really hung out with all the soccer guys as much as I would hang out with other people. Um, and I think that was really good for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's it's interesting, Patty, because uh, you you and I are probably like switched. I don't know, like I I don't believe the same things anymore, and yeah. uh, you know, like I've changed, and um, yeah, I, I'm like I'm happy, you know, and and yeah. I'm like happy to see you where you are as well, and like I I think I don't know, it's cool. It's like we all have our path to to who we are today, and I. I don't know that there's a right or wrong necessarily. I know that's questionable in, in a lot of different circles, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's cool to see, you know, that process kind of change and, and like see who you are today. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. So. And, and it was very gradual over years. And, and honestly, it all, all my whole perspective has changed through relationships with people. Right. So whether you have faith or you don't, whether your faith is Buddhist or Christianity or what, yeah. even an atheist, the big thing that I want people that I'm around is to be able to articulate what their faith is or isn't yeah. and, um, and live that out. Like don't right. say you're something and mm-hmm. act another way. If you want to be an atheist, be the best one you can possibly, because at least I can respect that you have thought about your opinions and your views. Yep. yep. Um, and it's the same for me. Like, I definitely don't fit the typical model, if you want to say that, as of a yeah. Christian. Yeah. I'm all tatted up. I speak my mind. But in my eyes, my God is, he, he wasn't the guy, a lot of people think he's this guy holding doors open and, you know, <laughs> go ahead, everyone first. Like, yeah, that, that's true. There was moments of that. Yeah. But he was also flipping tables yep. when he needed to get his message across. And, exactly. And, and that's what I want to encourage my players to do and my kids. to, to yeah. Their faith needs to be their faith, yeah. whatever that looks like. Jesus didn't lack passion. No, and, for sure. Uh, and I think that's that's huge. And yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's still, don't get me wrong, like uh, I have so many, my core values are, you know, based so much from my upbringing and being yeah. in the church and, and all that. But yeah, I've just changed and, and I'm okay with that. And I, I completely yeah. agree. It's like seek truth, you know, if you're For seeking sure. truth, um, you know, if, if you are Christian, if you, uh, if you do believe in the Christian faith, then man, that's all you can do. And it doesn't matter, you know, you're seeking, seeking truth and God will find you, you know, and like you had, like you said, you have to answer when, the, when the knock comes, but um, that's just, that's fundamental to the Christian faith. So it should be, if that's what you're seeking and that's kind of who you are and that's the, the path you're taking, then it, it should be okay. Well, know. and for, and for me, I'm never going to save anyone. Right. So if my, if I believe everyone, if I would love everyone to be in, in the world to be saved and go to heaven one day, ultimately like that would be awesome. Yeah. But I'm never going to make that happen. Yeah. You're only that, controlling only, you. Yeah. So 
the only way I can, and in my mind, the only way I can slightly affect that is by pe- treating people the right way, treating people the way that I believe that you should treat them, and ultimately loving people. And if you love enough people, at some point, maybe I'm the Jason Richardson example for somebody else. Yeah. That's the only way I can look at it. So, spot on, man. Spot on. I agree. It's it's uh, it's how you treat people, and that's that's my mentality as well. It's like I, I I'm right there with you i i love that i think that's awesome i just wrote that down as uh that that number uh we're at 6335 and uh or like right around there of that quote so i love that i think that's really solid advice what did you you were a sports studies major at bethel correct yeah i think they translated that over to exercise science at some point okay i think that was after my time but yeah, I think it was sports studies is, is what technically my major is. Okay. Um, yeah. How, I mean, was that just kind of like, did you choose that right away or was that something you chose as you, when you got there? Yeah, I think originally I wanted to come in and be a um, PE teacher. Yeah. But then I realized quickly I didn't want to be in a classroom setting as much. Mm. Um, and then when I realized that being a soccer coach for a living was viable, I was like, why would I want to be a teacher like my experience with teachers was, we didn't treat them very nicely. Yeah. Did, <laughs> so did do you I want to be on your, the receiving end of that? Did you switch majors your sophomore year then? Yeah, right after my first semester. Yeah, I, I kind of remember that because that's when studies. we were that's when we were living together. Yeah. So I switched it to sports studies, and back then they didn't have exercise science, and then it, then they added it later, and I think it was too late for me to add it. But I take I was literally like calc two and chem two off of having an ed, uh, exercise science degree yeah um so when people ask i basically say that's what it is um, yeah. and i'm super nerdy about that stuff i love it like i was a strength and conditioning coach for years and had my own company and that's a world that i love to be in i'm i'm a nerd when it comes to that stuff i love it yeah what a, what are you what do you what are i don't know the right word terminologies but like what do you I don't know. What do you encourage people just base, base level? Like what do you encourage people in the nutrition and health and yeah, fitness kind of arena? I had this good chat with one of my kids from Venezuela yesterday, actually he sent me a little numbers sheet of this much of your exercise program should be this, you know, power based and this should be this. And I'm like, you know what? It's all individual. Everything is 100% individualized. Um, obviously I deal with athletes more than non-athletes and that's the realm I'm comfortable in and enjoy. Um, but just for, for the everyday public, I think the most important thing you can do is eat well and eat well means, um, you get the right fruits and vegetables into your system, get the right amount of greens, get the right amount of protein, get the right amount of fat fat you know growing up fat was always a bad word and now it's like a big buzzword um yeah experimenting with a lot of things i mean you talked earlier about um you wouldn't give your athlete something that you haven't tried yourself right so for me like i i had a kid who was struggling with his weight on the team and he's a kid i've had even since he was 12 in clubs i've known him a long time yeah I started intermittent fasting yep. and I didn't need to intermittent fast, but I thought, well, if it works for me, it'll work for him. So yeah. I tried it. I, I do it probably four or five days a week now and Same. I love it and I feel better and it's really made me 
I do a lot. Like I'll go on a twenty mile run completely fasted. Yeah. Um. So my body is like fat adapted now, but that's not for everyone either. I no, think it, yeah. that works for me and my metabolism and where I'm at in my life. Um. But but we really clean our house. I don't think we're overboard with it. Like we're not counting calories or any of right. that stuff. Yeah. But we eat really clean and. That's what I try to do as well. It's it's the same. It's the man. I really. I mean, I do. I've found a lot of success just like maintaining my weight and controlling it with uh, just kind of avoiding processed carbs. Um, yeah, for and, sure. And as many carbs as I really can cut out, I, I do. I you know yeah. I always look for I I buy a bread that's like low carb, no sugar added. You know, um, and you know it's still you still got some in there, but it's a balanced diet. It's just I'm not loading my body with up with just a bunch of processed carbs and sugars and uh, crap. I try to eat clean meats proteins you know vitamins your vitamins yeah. and minerals and nutrients are you know those foods that are dense with that type of um stuff. well i look at what we were eating when we were in college oh seriously <laughs> dude right I, Can you imagine I how much better we would be if we like actually that's what well? i joke about all the oh, time wow. i used to eat ramen noodle sandwiches mm. i used to put ramen noodle cook <laughs> it and i put it in slices <laughs> of bread like how i wasn't 300 pounds i'll never know <laughs> Um, but, but now it's like, I come home and I get done with a run and I'm eating avocado and yeah. I'm eating like we, I was joking the other day, my wife, she makes, you know, she'll bake some broccoli and we'll have it as a snack. I'm like, yeah, oh, imagine if I was doing this when I was young, right. you know, like right. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But, but I, again, like it, it's all based on your living situation. Like for sure. it's, it's more expensive to eat that way. It's it's oh, crazy. Sure, it's more expensive to oh, eat so expensive. food that has had less done to it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but my brother-in-law, for example, he's he did the meat-only diet for like a year. Yeah, I've heard good things. He lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, but everyone was giving him grief about it. But mm-hmm. he feels better. I mean, yeah. he sits down for one meal a day and it's some two massive steaks. Yeah. There could be worse things that he could be doing. It's in true. His it's true. But I've heard good things. I mean, I've heard a lot of. I've heard a Go lot ahead. of good things for sure uh, with the carnivore diet, carnivore yep. diet, and uh, some of the health benefits. And you know, I, I do wonder sometimes if it's just not you know obviously a year long is is a whole nother ball game. But like I do wonder sometimes if it's not just the fact that you're not eating the same things as you were before. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think that you know there's a lot. I've read several books on uh, carbohydrates and and mm-hmm. you know low carb and the effects of sugar and, and carbs in our diet. And a lot of what, you know, some of the research might suggest with some of these different diets, even Weight Watchers, I know you said your mom, my mom is also, she's like a lifetime member or whatever, because she, oh. she used to teach back in the day. But, um, yeah. you know, and they've shifted a little bit over the years as well um, to, it fits a little bit more of that low carb lifestyle, but the low, you know, Weight Watchers, these low calorie diets that you're doing, you're, you're consuming a lot less carbohydrates and a lot less of these processed foods that you're, you're consuming you know or putting in your body so when you do do that i think it i think it impacts you bigger than you realize you know and Mm -hmm. um you see a lot of people kind of plateau over a long period of time and i think it's just that initial drop off of the the carbohydrates and some of the the bad foods that they were consuming yeah and and your body is the greatest machine that has ever been created so your body adapts so quickly if you do the same thing again and again again at Mm -hmm. some point you'll plateau so Yep. For me, I'll sometimes come off my fast because I feel like my body 
almost needs to go back into let's eat cake for a couple of days yeah and then when i go back into faster than eat and cleaner food my body's like oh man i like this better and it will react better to it i think i think too many times like it can be miserable sticking to a diet of, oh yeah i try know, to make whatever. it a lifestyle change you know and that's why yeah. i say I, am i eating low carb yeah 100 i'm eating a low carb diet I try not to say that it's a low carb diet. It's, it's a, I'm trying to focus on what I'm putting into my body as being like yeah. the positive things and just a lifestyle change of, Oh, I'm going to eat almonds as a snack versus potato chips or, you know, whatever it is. Or if I go out to eat, I love a burger, man. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. it's hard to beat a good burger. Uh, but instead of getting the fries, I'll, I'll pay the two fifty for a side salad. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like you said, it's more expensive, but, um, you know, I just limit the amount of carbs that I'm putting in my body. And I think that's being cognizant of that and, and uh, acknowledging that and recognizing it, I think is huge. Well, there's the saying, you are what you eat, right? So yep. <laughs> whatever you put in is what you're going to be able to put out with it. We obviously, I, I hunt and we eat a lot of venison and you, hunt. you watch those deer. Yeah. You watch those deer run around the woods, yeah. jump over logs and stuff. If I want to be an athlete, I should probably put some of that in me. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Look at it, so. Well, and Rogan, I don't know if you listen to Joe Rogan ever, but yeah. you know, he eats like all of his um he eats like all of his elk that he shoots and, and kills yeah. and he talks about that too of how he feels so much better and more alive whenever he's eating this like stuff he's actually consumed that's lived in the wild and yeah, and even mm-hmm. if it's placebo effect, at the end of the day, like if you th- mentally yeah. think you're better, who cares? Like it works, yeah. you know. One hundred percent. What do you use any? You know, especially uh, with running and, and kind of some of the things you're pursuing. Do you have any um, supplements or anything you take? Not really supplements. Um, I I just started drinking. I think it's called Nun. M U U N. I think yep. is how it is. Um, that's like my post run recovery. Just get my electrolytes in me. It's just water yeah. basically with yeah. electrolytes. It's like 10 calories in it or something. Um, the key for me is as soon as I get in for my run, I need to eat within 10 minutes and that gets straight into my system. And I recover so much better. Yeah. Probably um, retain a little muscle too. And yeah. And, and I, I do, if I go on a really long run, like I'll do when I do, do my races, I'll, I'll do the, the gels, Okay. Um, Those like goo or. Yeah, I use the the stinger honey stinger. Okay. Um, gels because they're organic. Yeah. Um, and it's honey. You know, the sugar, yeah. the honey going into your system, it'll jolt you a little bit. So yeah, I like that. But but really, I don't use any of that stuff. I used to do the Advocare products, and, and I still use those in my players because I think they're excellent products. Um, Advocare, you said. Yeah, Advocare, and I, and I'm a like a supplier for that because i did it years ago but um i use them for my guys in season because the season's so hard on their bodies um but i don't personally use any of that stuff myself because um, i like to i like to know that my body's doing what it's supposed to be doing because it can not because yeah. of you know the hidden other hidden factors so yeah i use a uh, on it some of their products um, yeah that's the J- joe rogan uses yeah that stuff, yeah he? he's like part owner or something but yeah um, i really like it they have like a great even if you don't take their supplements they have a really great website where they have just tons of information about nutrition and yeah. you know intermittent fasting you can read pardon the uh the weed whacking that's going on underneath my window <laughs> right now 
I was telling my wife before we got on this, they like mowed this morning and I was like, it's without fail. Every time I do a podcast, it's like the day that they're going to mow and it's like the day that they're going to like ruin everything, but nothing I can do about it. It's out of my control. But anyway, yeah, I use, uh, I do like their, their B complex. So like vitamin B, like complex supplement, um, they're, they have a minerals, like a mineral supplement and then spirilla, spirilla, I can't talk today. I don't know if you noticed that, but spirilla and chlorella or whatever it's called, uh, supplement, just like a greens, you know, like the superfood greens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use those, um, on the daily, just, uh, I don't know, get them a little, few more vitamins and nutrients and into my body. And, uh, the closest thing to all of that in my life is my wife's essential oils going through the house yeah. all the time. Yeah. I Honestly, use some of those though, too. Like, I, I, it's, it's smell good. good. Yeah. Why not? If nothing else, it smells good. So. Exactly. That's how I, that's what I say too. It's like, man, I, I get always buy the ones that like kind of could be like a, I don't know, like a cologne of some sort, you know, there's yeah. this one we yeah. do doTERRA and it's called balance and it's just yeah. like earthy, like piney. Oh, it smells so good. It smells like a man, you know, Yeah. I like rub that on a little bit. I'm like, all right, good to go. Let's yeah. Do if, it. if she puts the lavender on at night, I'll, I'll fall asleep pretty quick. So yeah. it's yeah. good. That's awesome. Well, man, shoot. Um, college, uh, man, there's some there's some funny stories. What are some of your favorite stories from college? They can include me or not include me. Go for it. You can throw me under the bus, man. I know we had we had some moments, but uh, I was I was thinking about some of the stories, <laughs> and this honestly, like I remember more from the last few years than I do the beginning couple. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There was some kind of. We did have a hamster. Didn't we have a hamster well, when we lived together? Let's leave it, the we out of this. You had a hamster. Okay, I had a hamster <laughs> called Hammy, I think, and yeah. he used to sit in that ball and walk up and down the hallway. Um, I Wait. feel like there was one time that me and you pranked each other really bad, and didn't you end up filling the sink with pee or something? <laughs> I don't remember, man. That's something I. I don't know why I remember. <laughs> It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like something. The biggest one that I remember was when I, uh, I used your trimmer. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That's that the, one? the one? Oh, and then yeah. you like pranked me after that or something maybe? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You had left and I was like, oh, I'm just going to like trim things up below now, the yeah, belt. Yeah, you should explain to everybody where you use my trimmer. <laughs> yeah, below the belt, you know, just yeah. uh you know, just and you had left, and I thought you were gone, and you came back in, and you were like, "What oh, are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, bro, I'm telling you, I've grown up a little bit since then. I'm not saying <laughs> I wouldn't still do that, but I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I if if my buddies who I lived with later over the ones I around here, they tell a lot of stories about me that are. Uh, that are different. I mean, yeah. I remember we, we ran around campus in Speedos one time. Yeah. Um, we we TP'd the entire campus. Um, There's about six to eight of us. We were <laughs> collecting toilet roll for the entire year um, from campus, hiding it all places. And then I could use some funny. of those rolls right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> but there was uh, Will Walker was the NAIA basketball player of the year. Six yeah, foot yeah. eight guy. Um, he was out there with us, and we went out one night, and we just wrecked the middle of campus with these. <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's beautiful the pictures that you saw, and yeah, the president guys, back then. I didn't then, know if I didn't. Don't think I knew that was you. Yeah, so 
that was one of my brainchilds and we just we did it over a year we stole all this toilet roll and then we just we hid it out in bushes and black bags and we about six of us went out and tp'd the entire campus and that was pretty cool and we did peanut butter pranks on yeah. every car in campus one time under uh. the wipers and under the handles uh. I, I love that stuff yeah There's way grosser ones um but we'll leave those it's, out yeah but even i mean even like those they're like they're pretty innocent you know like they're, yeah it's like it's just fun it's fun to have I a got good my, time i got my fiance's car nice like, you probably got mine too she wasn't exempt everyone every <laughs> literally every car on campus got it i mean yeah. do you remember bobby morton who was yeah the, uh, yeah he, he was a starting center for notre dame football before he came to bethel and was the rd yep um so we uh eric hooley came with me i think great <laughs> great houston was there as well yep um and we went out and we went to Krispy Kreme and we emptied every donut we could and filled a car with it with trash bags mm -hmm. and then we filled Bobby's truck bed with donuts <laughs> and the next morning we were walking out to chapel and he's like I know this was you and he's shoveling these donuts into the <laughs> trash can um it's so funny but yeah we did a few good fun ones that's a good one for sure I love it I love it any other like things from college that really stick out to you or you think about no, the the best experiences in college would were, uh, I mean, soccer was awesome, track was awesome. Yeah. Um, was lucky to be successful in both of those, but just the relationships with people. I met so For many sure. awesome people. Um, some of my best friends, like Caleb Ladig, I was talking to him last night. He's big into cycling right now, and he's trying to nice. get me into that a little bit. And, nice. Um, Robbie Burns is one of my best friends. These guys were all in my wedding and. Uh, Robbie's a he's a head sprint coach at Butler um, so just the relationships with people I had I actually had lunch two weeks ago with Tim Jenkinson and Jason nice. Richardson yeah um, I haven't know, seen Tim I, since Joel's wedding yeah and I don't catch up with them all that often yeah um, but there's there's a core group there that I speak to quite frequently and mm -hmm. um, and when we get back together the best thing is we're like brothers again yeah like immediately yep. i mean i'm sure you have that experience with your friends yeah for sure it's yeah. just yeah i miss not seeing those guys but right now without our all of our lives are out with young kids like mm -hmm. it's not as feasible with right. working our kids but yeah. when we get back together the cool thing is we're like brothers and and that's awesome yeah it's important i i completely agree it's the relationships that i built I, I second guess sometimes of like would would I go back, but if if it meant I didn't get to meet the people that I got to meet in college and yeah. have the people in my life that I have, I, I would I would go back for sure. You know, I mean it, it's yeah. a it's a no brainer. But those relationships well, and I, are. I've never left college now. Yeah, no, yeah, you just <laughs> prolonged it. Yeah, it's really cool being on the other side of it. I bet. Um, and now watching, like, I'll have eighteen international kids on my team this year. Um, that's cool and it's really cool watching them kind of go through the same things that i went through yeah um and hopefully i can do a good job of helping mentor them because i had good people in my life who helped me so yep and that was my next question actually uh who would you say like inspired you throughout your life or a mentor that like mentored you and brought you along is there is there one or you know a few people or, or somebody that really sticks out to you and when, when you think about that yeah i mean as far as like inspiration it's obviously my mother she's yeah I don't think I'd ever tell that to her face, but she's uh, she's an unbelievable lady, and yeah, she's uh, she's the best. But and I would say most of the stuff I did in my life was for her, whether I realized it or not at the time. Yeah. Um, but as far as 
mentors. Um, I think I take the good from as many people as I can. And then if there, if I think there's bad things in, in certain people, I just forget it. Yeah. So Gidman, I just took the good from Gidman, like his enthusiasm for everything. Yeah. Um, and the guys, we didn't always like the way that we played soccer with him, but we all liked him. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's something in that. Um, Thiago, who's there now, is, is a good friend of mine still. And um, just the way that he's calm in tough situations and the way that he can pour into guys' life spiritually, that's something that obviously I didn't grow up with that. So learning from him and those aspects. Um, my my pastor here, it's actually Cody Troy's dad, Gene. I mean, yeah. again, like we, we went to that church because he was the pastor and because I respect him. And cool. um, it's funny, you'll, you'll never believe this, but I actually preached the message just before Christmas Ooh, in a church. Patty. <laughs> so knowing me to that, like it's clearly... Uh, I've changed a lot, but um, so I kind of take from different people. Tony Natale is a huge one. He's the track coach at Bethel. Yeah. He's now the AD. Yeah. Um, never coached a practice ever, but the most motivating person I've ever been around. That's um, cool. And so I, I just try and steal from people. Um, yeah. And I think and that's I'm still the best doing way to that do as it. I get older. It's like yeah. cherry pick the the things that and put it all together. Yeah, for sure. I have four questions as we close things out here. Uh, yep. these are a little more intense, potentially a little more pointed. Yep. So started off, what would you say you're most proud of to date? Oh, 100% my wife and kids. Um, good on I, you. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm not always a, I'm not always a great dad, but I know my kids know I love them and yeah. I know my wife knows I love her and I know they all know that I would do anything to make them happy and to protect them. That, that was my number one goal in life. And right now i know i'm at least doing those things it's beautiful it's awesome we've talked about this a little bit but what do you look forward to most in the future do you have any goals or ambitions yeah so obviously the the running side of things the 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 goal is to qualify for the like the elite race uh, in london so i'm either looking to go under a 115 half marathon um which is like 543 pace per mile um or go under a five uh, a two hour and 45 full marathon to qualify for that so that's on the horizon that, that's something i'm pretty confident that i'm going to be able to do but it's going to take a lot nice. of mileage yeah um, uh, and then just with the family we're, we're actually we built this house that like i'm sitting outside right now uh two years ago it's our dream home on 12 acres i hunt here and yeah. I'm really sad that we're going to have to leave it because we're known as 45, 50 minutes away, but we're yeah. actually building another house there. Good so I'm really you. excited to, to, to live there with the kids, be in the community two miles from my office. Um, we'll be on a golf course, and I like to golf, and so does my son. So um, that's like our big dream right now as a family, that we can move over there and kind of be in the community because my wife and kids love being there. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. Do you ever think about your legacy? Like when you look back on your life, what what do you like? What do you think about like with your as far as your legacy or like what you want to leave this world? Like, so I want I want my kids to know that their dad was there, mm. and I don't want my kids to know that I was their best buddy all the time. I want them to know that I did my best to love them the best way I knew how, and. I also wanted them. I also want them to know that when I've made mistakes, that I'm man enough to tell them that I made a mistake, 
Um, but my only intention when I made those mistakes was to love them the way that I knew how. Yeah. Um, and then the same with my wife. Um, we're all going to make mistakes, so I just want them to know that I love them. So that would be my first thing, that, that they can turn and say, man, my dad might have been a butt sometimes, but he loved us, Yeah. and he did his best, and he provided the best for us. Um, and he encouraged us to be, you know, to be whatever we wanted to be. Um, and then I would say, you know, occupationally, I, will, I want my kids to know that I cared about them more as people than footballers. Yeah. That I made them better players ultimately, and I helped them achieve their goals and their aspirations. But that I helped them to become great men, great husbands, great fathers. Yeah. Um, whatever. And be passionate about their career and, and be successful at it. Um, and hopefully change some lives. Hopefully, like my life was changed. Hopefully, bring kids over and, and they say that I helped change their lives by just giving them an opportunity. Um, yeah. And then just yeah, just people I'm friends with and my my family. I just I just hope they have really funny memories of me that they can <laughs> turn around and they can laugh. Like they can say, "Man, remember when he did this?" Yeah. Um, and I I think that's that's what I would like. Kind of if it's on your tombstone. That'd be a big tombstone, but that's all right. I love it. I love it. Looking back, last question. Looking back, what advice would you tell little Aaron? Oh, man. Uh, I would tell him that keep being a cocky son of a gun because it's going to get you somewhere. And even though people don't like it in the beginning, when you're a little kid with big glasses, telling the bigger kids who are you know, come from nicer families or bigger families with more money that you're going to do more than what they ever did because you had that chip on your shoulder. So keep being that cocky little kid and going after your goals, not caring what people think. Yeah. But I would also love to tell my kid and my, myself that uh, don't wallow in the self-pity of not having your dad around or having a bad relationship or getting whooped all the time or whatever it is. Don't wallow in it. Keep your chin up. Because you're going to turn around one day and be 33, sat in an amazing house with amazing wife and kids. And all those things are going to shape you into the man you are today. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. No, thank you. I appreciate it. It's always good catching up with people. And again, like it's like we've never not stopped. <laughs> we've never stopped talking. You exactly. Know? Like, exactly. It's, it's easy to talk. So I love that. All right. Peace, everybody. We love you.